okay, let's do a recording instead. <laughs> Is that how it starts? Yep. Oh, good. Um, all right then. Ladies and future boys, welcome to the School for Wayward Nerds, the only podcast with audio eyebrows. Um, my name is great. My name is Toby DePollett, and I've been seeing the trailer for Pam and Tommy, a biopic about Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee's sex tape. Yeah, I did write that like it's a biopic about a film, and it kind of is. I think it is. It's, start- it's the dude that finds it and puts it out, mm. and then them dealing with the fact that a dude found their sex tape and put it out. Yeah, I like the impression, and you like Sebastian Stan, <laughs> so everyone's happy there. And my brain, ever more scrambling about for topic ideas, sees this and starts thinking about Stan Lee's Stripperella. Oh, check out that catalogue. That's right. If you've been listening to us for a while, then you know that we already covered that animated series. But you try to cover, like, once every six months? It's a show I want to go back and rewatch a lot, and I have the tools to do so. But I have to put it in the international DVD player, which means I have to watch it in bed. <laughs> Nap time! And as dumb as that sounds, streaming has made that so much of an inconvenience, I don't do it. Yeah. So every six months, I'm like, God, I really want to rewatch that, and I don't get that release. There's not even a jerk-off thing. I don't, I don't get it out of my system, so it sits and recycles around constantly. Yeah. That's what my problem is. But, um, yeah, there is still a topic to cover here, though. This week, I am forcing myself to blow the dust off of a comic book movie from a simpler time. Back before comic book movies were either formulaic or Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah. Um, sometimes in the pre-MCU world, comic book movies were just shit. Isn't, most, that, most of isn't that fun? Yeah, I'm talking about the era of Spawn, Elektra, and Barb Wire. <laughs> Joining me this week is producer Kyle. Hello. Do you have a favourite movie from that weird era where everyone wore black leather instead of their actual costumes, except for Daredevil? Daredevil. Yeah, I didn't... I, I like... I don't know what it is. All those movies are bad. Like, you can tell. They're not great yeah. in any way. I'm but I'm nostalgic for favorite. the weird... I guess it's the aesthetic. Can, can you can you pick my favourite terrible superhero movie? Not a Batman film. From that era? Roughly. Um, I've made you watch it multiple times. Through tricking you into watching it. Which makes me think about Tank Girl, but I don't think that's it. No. What? League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Ah, that is of that era of we're trying to do comic book movies but don't know what the fuck we're doing. Yeah. yeah. Alright, so, yeah, I, I like the aesthetic. You know when you go back and play a PlayStation 2 game and you're like, this was an ugly era of time, mm. but I was around for it. Yeah. You know, so, so it's a little warm and toasty. So, so yeah, before we watch the movie, we need to answer a question. Who the fuck is Barb Wire? Well, it's made out of some form of metal. Yes, we did it's make the mistake a of Googling that earlier. All right. But to answer that, we need to start in the year 1990. Only a few years before the movie, which is surprising. Hmm. They went straight into it. Um, Barb was created by Chris Warner and Team GCW. Um, what does that stand for? Well, in 1990, Dark Horse Comics started planning to put together their own little shared universe. It was called Comics Greatest World. Horrible name. Let me guess. (laughs) A white dude named it. Probably. Anyway, it took three years for the line to actually start coming out. And that... And it set... um, It was set in an alternate reality. 
in which skews from Oz in a couple of key points. Point one. In 1931, um, an alien called the Vortex hides out in a place called Cinnabar Flats, Nevada. Okay. He is doing little secret experiments there. Nice. Nothing else to report. It's just an alien doing alien Stuff. science out in the Nevada desert, which is plausible still. <laughs> I don't have any disproof that that didn't happen in our timeline. Yeah. But um, point two definitely didn't happen for us. Um. 1947, the NTS, which is the Nevada test site, starts testing atom bombs about four years earlier than our reality. Uh, guess where Vortex's hideout is? Area 52? It's Cinnabar Flats, but it's kind of based on an actual testing Oh, okay. Well, that's smart. So detonating an atom... Well, he didn't think anyone was using that area. Because it's radiated. <laughs> um, yep, yeah, so... um. They detonate an atom bomb on alien laboratory stuff, which causes something called the Maelstrom. This energy release... uh, Well, the energy released from it, sorry, gives people all over the world for, you know, over the course of decades, presumably. I don't know how far in the future the universe is. Mm -hmm. But it gives some people superhuman abilities. Okay. Like the atomic dust spreads across the entire world. Some people huff it so to speak, like, you know, just gets in your air system and that's it. It's very similar to the Terrigen Mist, which made Kamala Khan in the Marvel stuff. Okay. I'm glad you left that out, because that was a question we were plagued by. Is it, I'm honestly, like, bringing up the current Miss Marvel stuff. There's a lot of stuff in this movie, which I've seen done, I mean, admittedly better, but in a lot of stuff after the fact. Yeah. I don't think it predicted anything. But I think it... The comic world it is almost known got for it. borrowing. Yeah, I know. But I just, I just, My overall broad thought of this movie is it is constantly full of almost well-executed good ideas. Yes. But that almost is a, is a, is a retaining wall of a, of a word in that sentence. I, I concur. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, sorry. The, the comic... You, what was it called? Sorry, Greatest Comic World or whatever. Um, has a few main locations, which is Golden City, Arcadia, home of Ghost, if people read the Dark Horse original stuff, and Steel Harbor, mm-hmm. which is where we are going every, to. Every good comic world needs at least three cities that are semi-linked. Mm-hmm. The Keystone Cities. Yeah. What I was Is that what you were trying to think of? Yeah. So Steel Harbor is the one we are focusing on. It was a big steel industry city for a while, like Detroit, I think. Um, we got ourselves a little family there. You have a steel worker father um, with military background, which I think was shifted to the children in the movie. Yep. Um, yeah, so you got the steel worker father, a police officer, wife, and two kids, Charlie and Barbara Kapetsky. Um, as the kids grow up, the mother and father die. Not Not anything wild or murderous like the Waynes or anything like that. They just... They're just Disney dad. I can't find any information on the mother's one of their death. I probably should have wrote down which. And then the other one just like had dementia and just conked out naturally. They, they, they weren't... It's not as sus as like the weird amazing Spider-Man backstory died, about the Parkers. Yeah. Um, so Barb leaves town to, I don't know, find herself or whatever it is you do. And while she's gone, the city goes from 1950 Detroit to Robocop Detroit. Yay! Time um, jumps. Yep, controlled by gangs and you know classic shit show stuff. So it's it's what you see in mm. the in the film. 
Um, Barbara returns a seasoned and badass bounty hunter with the stage name of Barb Wire. Um, when she reunites with her brother Charlie, she decides to stay and run a bar called The Hammerhead. Um, to keep money flowing, she moonlights doing bounty work. She continues her, her little side job. She Black Canary's up in this. She looks a lot like Black Canary. Um, the characteristic that I seem to have found while researching is that she's uh, comic book hot, like every woman in their mid-twenties in comic books. I really wish I had gone through that comic book phase. Yeah. Comic book puberty is like so much cooler than us. Oh, yeah. But um, yeah, and she hates to be objectified. She likes to be ba- treated based on her merit as a person. Which is a very which com- female trait. Which is the characteristic of where she gets really pissed off when people call her babe. Don't call me baby. Because mm. I belong to me. But yeah, she does look... It's probably because we were comparing Adam Hughes' artwork, and they're both, like, curvy blonde women, but she looks exactly like Black Canary. Yeah. Now, we have, we've done a quick rundown of the character, so let's actually look at this fucking movie. That's why we're here. 1996. According I to, did, in fact, look at this film. I okay. would like it to be known. According to IMDb, this 3.4 out of 10 movie was directed by David Hogan, mostly a music video director. This is his sole uh, director credit for a film. His previous, the previous year, sorry, um, he did second unit directing for a film called Batman Forever. Oh, see, like, yeah. great, great film. <laughs> but that's it. That's his resume. Well, you did music videos. <laughs> I mean, the fucking guy who made Three Hundred and Sucker Punch was a music video director too. Five Hundred Days of Summer. Lots of lots of lots of people start that they, way. They try it once and then they're like, mm, yeah, three fuck. minutes is a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, fuck this. This goes like ninety minutes. Um, so yeah, the screenplay was written by Chuck Pfeffer, I believe. That's yeah. a, that surname's a bit tricky. It's spelled like Pfeiffer, but with an A, it's, you know. Um, he doesn't have a huge resume either, but he was a Navy SEAL and wrote the movie Navy SEAL. Um, he... So he knows his military stuff. He does. He, um, he wrote, uh, John claude Van Damme's Hard Target, which is one of those old 80s martial classics. Do you think he's upset by some of the stuff in this film, then? I feel like it's his fault. <laughs> He wrote it. Yeah, oh, sorry, he wrote the screenplay. Can, things can change. His screenplay was written around the story, which was written by Eileen Chaikin. Um, she wrote some TV episodes. She doesn't have a huge resume either. She worked on Law and Order, The L Word, but she did produce Handmaiden's Tale, so she's still working, I think, successfully. That's a thing that people like. At least my mum. Yeah, I haven't watched it. It seems too dystopian for me. Hmm. Also, I just don't like the idea because i think we could actually head that way yeah it's coming um and obviously all the characters on IMDb are credited as written by chris warner the the original guy yeah it's always important that they characters created by blank for movies like this i feel i'm i still love that we live in the era where it says bill finger like before bob came now yeah i always like that shit um so, before the movie really begins, we are introduced to the grim dystopian future of 2017. Looking, which is always a favourite of mine. Looking back. Past futures are great. Looking back. Uh-huh. They were only a few years off. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and we're explained what's going on by a classic Star Wars scroll. We are. I wrote it all down, but Bob literally monologues the same information like 10 minutes in anyway, so if you didn't feel like reading it during your watching, you didn't need to. 
They know their audience. Yeah, we'll get to that almost immediately after this. Um, the old democracy is overthrown by a tyrannical new group called the Congressional Directorate. Every city in the nation is under martial law except for one, Steel Harbor, the last free city, a secluded island of shrinking independence. It is a place marked by chaos and crime, providing a home for a new kind of mercenary. I'm proud of myself because I typed that down off a pause screen. I didn't actually read a damn word of it. I was going word by word. I'm impressed by myself, my reading, first take, look at that. Okay. In my head, I'm like, I don't remember this. The only thing that we have here mm-hmm. is, it takes place in the United States. It's injustice without superheroes, it's this just is, sad injustice. It, it takes place in the United States. Mm-hmm. One of the main things of the film is to get to either Canada. Or Europe. Which is safe haven. Mm-hmm. Or Europe, which is safe haven. Yep. I might have this small, tiny this city, possibly in LA somewhere, mm-hmm. is the only place in the entire United States that have rebelled against martial law. Mm-hmm. Pack me up and send me to Disneyland. That's it. That's all I've got. I just needed to clarify the fact that one tiny, it's not even, it's like three blocks. It's not even a city. I think that's more of a set limitation <laughs> there are three three blocks in this town eh, yeah you're not wrong Moving on. <laughs> okay. all right i'll try to hit casting as we go but obviously the main draw for this film is pamela anderson lee at the time or just her tits yeah and they really cash in on her fan base do they not or just her tits to a cover of the song word up but not the corn version we get a glimpse of barbed wire um kaya would you like to um explain that first glimpse of the character uh so this triumphant reveal of the iconic barbed wire we see pamela anderson Uh as her character but as i pointed out she still has a tattoo like visible so it's pamela anderson exactly clearly has been cast because she has a barbed wire tattoo which works well with barbed wire characteristic yeah Yeah, you're not wrong are Mm -hmm. you only just putting that together yeah well she had the tattoo before the movie shame on you Fuck off. <laughs> um, in what can only be described as a figure kissing, it's making out with her body. Um, black leather, skin tight, skin tight mini suit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe they're called play suits, but that well, might I don't not know if it was shorts. We Bo- didn't get a suit, very, cat suit. we didn't get a very good look because she is being. Hose down with a fire hose by a man in a tuxedo and a, um, you know, nice little raincoat, clear raincoat over the top. So it doesn't get wet. Um, and you think she's just doing like a nice, you know, sexy, provocative dance while being hosed down? Oh no, there is multiple shots of nipple. Yeah, yeah, tits out. Tits Tits out for the boys. Um... I have seen Pamela Anderson's nipples more than I've seen my own. I mean, yeah, definitely today, that's for sure. Um, she's not at fault, and I wouldn't say the director's at fault for this one, because my trivia hunting tells me one day Pamela comes into work talking about how she had this weird nightmare in which she was doing a quote-unquote nasty dance, um, and she was being sprayed with champagne, 
Now, David Hogan, who at this point is being pressured massively by execs to put more nudity into the movie, they've paid all this money for Pamela Anderson. People want to see Pamela Anderson show tits, please. So he's getting that pressure from up top. He just kind of looks at her and goes, we could just, do you want to just film that idea and shoehorn it in? And she's like, I guess. Mm, I feel like that's not, you know, wonderfully useful. Yeah, but I don't know what the original intro was. They scrapped it. This bit of trivia kind of leads me to wonder how many of the boob shots in this movie were in at the start or written to be in it and how much were like added in later to fund the movie. Well, like I said, I'm curious about there's a clip a lot later politics. on where she has a bubble bath. Uh-huh. And I made the comment during the scene about well, they do a really good job at like hiding what's going on. And then immediately and she then immediately on it. <laughs> That's what I wonder. I wonder if they, like, shoot it suggestively, but not entirely, you know, nips out. And then someone funding the movie's like, hey! Where are her ta-ta-ta-tas? I didn't, come, I didn't drive all the way out here to not see ta-tas. Yeah, I, I'm genuinely curious about that aspect of the film's making. Um, after that bit, though, the, the rest of the opening act is pretty cool, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, she was dancing at this club for a bounty. Um, when the dance is over, the club owner goes looking for her, skulking around. Um, and I like the trick that she does. You know, she she's got a cigarette, mm-hmm. and he offers to light it, and it just it's just revealed to be like a blow dart that looks like a cigarette. I well, mean, why fun. not? And then she kidnaps a school kid and gets out of there. Honestly, it's very similar of an opening to Batman Hush. Yeah, which would do the same go into the evil den and rescue the, the school child that's been kidnapped from a rich family six years later. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. This movie does a lot of, like, weird things Almost that then. get done better later. Also. It's a good foundation. Hush and she also is in refer- back catalogue. Hey? Hush is in our back catalogue. Is it? I thought yeah. we aired that one. Yeah, so we've done it. Oh, right, sorry. It's back catalogue. Previously recorded. Yeah. Um, I do like... If I wasn't already thinking about Hush, she pretty much grapple hooks out of there and the kid's like, what is that? And she's like, haven't you ever seen Batman before? So she specifically brings up the guy, which I found weird. It's also fascinating, you know, like, they wouldn't reference DC characters in a Marvel movie no more. It's not a thing. I always find it weird. Back when it wasn't as competitive, like, they would reference shit. There's an old detective book in my long box that, I shit you not, advertises the Venom trade for Marvel. But I also think that Dark Horse the, is kind of a Switzerland in the comic world. Yeah, it's one of the IDWs, the They'll, Booms, the Xenoscope. I, I feel like they kind of play all of the sides neutrally. No one's, which is very no funny, one's hunting them. Which is very funny, talking about Barbed Wire, who's like... I, I don't... Specifically trying to I avoid conflict. I don't buy sides. I yeah. don't do that. And then that turns out to be, like, her whole thing. Hmm. Um. Yeah, after she gives the little girl back to her parents and takes their car as part of the payment, she narrates all the information from that scroll at the start of the movie. What do you think about that bit on its own? It sets tri- up the character without setting up the character. I think it's just a fun little 
action-y heist thing. I think it's... With a... To get maybe, them, like, five, six minutes of boob at the start of it, unfortunately. I think it's, like, their hook. Mm. They're trying to make sure that you stay in your seat. Yeah. I think it's... Most of it's a good opening. But it's the thing, Again, it it's, hits it's, it's a, every... This movie like, is forever almost great. Yeah. The second half of that opening is a good time. But, it, it, like I was but saying, it get to hits it. everything that you would want in an opening. Yeah. Um, and from there we meet our movie villains after that scene. Um, the set piece is fucking weird right off the bat. A woman's being tortured in a, um, what I've written down as a torture-kini. Not wrong. <laughs> it, it's, it's what it sounds like. Um, attached to a weird space-aged tech torture machine in a boxing ring. Yes. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So she had some information about a fugitive, and instead of waiting for the movie to unpack this mystery, I'm just going to put it all into one clump, make myself, make my life easier, make you the listener get through without having to commit to the whole film. All right, here we go. The villain dudes are the Congressional dict- Directorate, you know, the thing I mentioned mm-hmm. in, the, in the scroll, um, and they used a scientist named Dr. Devonshire, who will go forever in the rest of the movie as Cora D. Um, they used her technology and science and bullshit to develop a super-powered strain of HIV, which they've used to... Red ribbon. Mm-hmm. They've used it to um, nullify the population, so they can sort of, like, move on in. I think that's what, like, anti-vax people are afraid of. It's it's whatever plot they think it is, it's that. It's better living from danger days. That's also a sci-fi that's from the past. Um, yep, so now she, once she finds out that's what her science is being used for, she escapes their clutches and will join the resistance to develop a cure for the virus because she knows the thing so it, well so she knows she how to nullify it. The other way. Yeah. So um, she's got to get to Canada. Yeah, to keep her safe, the Resistance have built a set of special contact lenses for her because in this distant future of 2017, um, instead of passports, this um, they use retinal scans. Um, these contacts are able to go undetected as contacts, but, you know, also aren't a wanted fugitive. So it's essentially like a... It's essentially a forged passport in a future that doesn't retinal have... Scan, retinal scanning's always been... A like thing. a sci-fi thing. Oh, totally. Because they even use it in Charlie's Angels. Mm-hmm. And, and like... So many things. Yeah. I'm, I'm always thinking of the anti-hero cutting off a head and putting it up to the machine. Yeah. I can't think of specifically but what I'm thinking But in this, it's of, more though. of a... Um, they use retinal scanning, like, in place of the chip in your hand. It's just the passport or, system. Yeah. Um. Yep, yeah, so that's... That's what's going on there after this lady to stop her from curing their villainous scheme. All right, and as for casting here, we have Cora D, who is played by Victoria Roll, Rowell, yeah. and her husband and protector Axel, who I will not use that name again because I never thought of it once during the film. Um, he is played by oh fuck me, Tam- Tamira Morrison, Morrison, I fucked up Morrison of all things. <laughs> um, yep. So this bounty hunting flick has the most famous bounty hunter in, in pop culture history in it. Boba Fett. Yeah, boy. Alright, so back to the barb end of the movie. We see her bar, the hammerhead. Um, I asked Kyra a question here. <laughs> Go for it. What do you think of the design overall of this movie? 
like the sets themselves. Hammerhead Bar being one of the main ones. So I thought you were going to ask me just about Hammerhead in particular, and I had an answer, and now I've got to extend that beyond. It, Focusing on Hammerhead, well, how do you feel about the sets and design overall? It's a Does very believable... Dystopian bar? Dystopian city? Hmm. Um, it's a more American version of Blade Runner. Yeah. Like, there's no noodle houses, there's no big, like, billboard scenes. It's yeah, literally a, just a, a city Japanese that's been run into future. the ground. Hmm. And they're doing the best that they can with what they've got. Hammerhead particularly, like... I, the only place I can think of those entryways is, is like, a zoo. <laughs> That's all I've got. But it's, like... Because it's things, those fucking... I don't know what they're called. The push... Yeah. The rotating thing. But not a rotating it's the one door. They, the bar one. It's the one they have exiting Melbourne Zoo. Oh, yeah. That's why I know what it's like. But, um... It's very much like she's found this warehouse on the outside yes, of just town and she's just done it up to the nines as best she can. Which I think they did in Arrow, didn't they? Yeah. Holy shit, that's fun. That's Again, the predicting the later stuff. Um, and yeah. he has his, like, apartment is in that and everything as well, oh, which shit, is what exactly she has. That one. Yeah. Hers um, is upstairs, where his is downstairs. Yeah, but her garage is downstairs too. Yes. So. 50-50. It's harder to drive a motorcycle up a set of stairs. Yeah. I blew Not my... impossible, just hard. I've blown my note load already by saying I like the aesthetic of these sort of movies. And yeah, the, the set is It's very just a piece sepia, of that very run down. I wouldn't even say sepia, it's that weird wet black well, it's, it's dirty. Aesthetic. Everything looks like Underworld. Everyone looks kind of like X-Men. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um, we meet a few of Bob's confidants here and set up her life before she leaves for a bounty. You, get, you got her waiter and assistant Curly, who is played by Udo Kier. And we meet her brother Charlie, the blind war veteran. Yeah. I'm not sure if he was blind or not in the comics. I honestly should, probably should have read some of the actual stuff before recording this. I just bought it on Comixology and downloaded it, and then spent the rest of my time focusing on the movie. We'll probably come to her as a character another time. Maybe. Um, we'll but but he's definitely her mechanic and not a war veteran in the comics. I can do that much. I mean, they kind of kept... Like, her dad was military, so they kind of kept aspects of her character while mm. still doing the Hollywood brush. Yeah. Um, Charlie is played by Jack Noseworthy. Mm-hmm. I think you recognised him from something. I thought I, thought I, I recognised him yeah. from something. Turns out I did not. Definitely. He is definitely not as... He's got a familiar face, that's for sure. I think he's got a familiar... Chin? Character. Mm. I.e. I thought he was um, one of the bullies from Hocus Pocus. Oh, yeah, I remember you saying that. Um, I can't remember what it was that you... I think it's because of his big, dumb hair, but he kind of made me think of Hanson, which is not a movie, but... But, but that's the saying. thing. He's like... He's almost knows he's too good for everyone around him. So he's not like that jock I'm gonna over get to the his top. Character he's very later, cocky. But... But like, but sensible, but yeah, he he knows what he can achieve. It's a chip on his shoulder more than a cocky. Yeah, it's on that scale. Had he have not been immediately blinded by a seeking grenade, a smart grenade that followed him back or some into his foxhole. Fucking vague bullshit sci-fi. Yeah, you know how it goes. Um. Anyway, Pamela pretty much just goes there to get equipment. She leaves. To pretend to be a sex worker to get into a sweaty man's apartment. Um, she knocks the John out with 
his BDSM paddle, as you recall. Good thing you knew that he was that way. I'm sure she would just punch him in the back of the head otherwise. I'm just saying. Um, And then she uses the explosive gel from the Arkham games to blow down a wall. And um, what's inside is not plants for Arkham City. No, it's feathers. No, no, no. She put a mattress on it to... Oh. So she didn't get fucking shrapneled. That makes more sense than they're using feathers as insulation because that's what I you missed wasn't her putting really the paying on attention. The um, yeah, what's inside is the hideout of the Gushers hunting. Um, you get a nice shootout scene, and we see that Barb hates being called Babe about as much as McFly likes being called Chicken. Yeah. Um, again, more just like action sequences of her doing her bounty hunting stuff. I kind of enjoyed. I enjoyed mindless uh, comic book bullshit. Yeah. I loved that stuff in Arrow and Flash. I was turned off by the family crap. But this is, this is always the stuff I gravitate to. I don't have to think. I just get to look at it and clap my hands like a fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> That's you. Yeah. So she drops the bounty off to a, bails bon- a bail bondsman, sorry, uh, which will come up later before heading back to Hammerhead to find police doing checks on the patrons. Um, they're going through scanning everyone's retinas. And if your ID doesn't match your retina, arrested! Pretty much. Well, you're probably using a fake ID in this bar, at the very least. Um, the police chief, Alexander Willis, is played by Xander Berkeley. Um, and he goes, he seems not, like, a bad dude. He goes to the back office with Bob to talk about maybe bribing him to leave. Which they, they seem to have, seems like, a... Seems to be a, a regular thing. Mm, yeah. Um... Yeah, he doesn't seem like the worst, but he does reference her time in the Civil War. Again, film-based, not comic-based. He also mentioned that he'll be back tomorrow with the Congressional, and this visit's mostly a heads-up for that. Yeah. Um, like, he is set up to be, like, the sleazy, corrupt cop. Mm. But she does say that he's honest about being a sleazy, lazy cop. And that's the thing. It's not... Like, he's a down-to-earth kind of He's one dude. of the ones that's not painted poorly for being in that position. Hmm. Because she... And that's the thing. She's like, he will let you know that he's just there to fuck with you. And that's what she respects he, about it's him. It's playful. And that's the thing, like... It's not a power thing. It's not a villainous hate thing. He's just like, I'm stuck doing this shitty job. I'm not trying that hard. Yeah, and I think that's a very stark contrast between him and the congressional... No, see, he... they send in. Yeah, because originally we'll you're like, "Oh, he's a jerk," and then you're like, "Oh, hang on a second, he's a good guy that's just filling a role." Yeah, and he is doing his best to. Fuck. I keep accidentally make fear comparing and not this. Make fear. Yeah. Like, do you remember the? I, I hate to keep it comes up in my notes again later, but I hate to bring up the good, the bad, and the ugly when talking about this film. But do you remember the? What's the blue? The Union? Yeah. Do you remember the Union guy? Yeah, because the other one's the Confederates. Yeah. The Union dude at the fucking bridge. Yeah. Who's like, I hate my fucking job. I just want people to go home. Yeah. It's that guy. Yeah. It's also probably an alcoholic. He's definitely drinking a bunch of cognac in this movie. But that's the thing. Like, he's got to be seen to be a tough ass. So he's got to go through and do these checks and order his men around and stomp on fingers. (laughs) This movie but at the same sort of time, makes like, every yeah. other good guy, like, a better genuine character than Bob. Yeah, almost. Yeah. This is kind of like her origin, but it ends. But I think she's very, like... Her character is 
staying out of stuff maybe to her own detriment. I think she's been hurt too many times in the past mm. that she refuses to like the once bitten twice be, shy yeah. kind of thing, yeah. I think that's more her yeah. character in this. But uh, right. so yeah, my notes pick back up again that next day when the police congressional show up. Um we see that the torturer guy from earlier is the um is the main congressional directorate played by Amir Abulela. He's an Egyptian man. I am sorry I can't pronounce his name. <laughs> There's also a capital E in it on IMDb. I don't... I didn't fact check it. It seems odd. Um, yeah, and if you couldn't tell that he was evil, just note that they are all dressed exactly like Nazis. But he's even... I think... It's the weird blue eyes. He's very aryan But that's the thing. He's even evil within... Like, the congressional... We see he likes to do his own torturing. Well, and that's the thing. There's there's a clip earlier on after Bikini Torture Lady. Mm. Where... Who chose that outfit? Yeah. <laughs> they changed that. Um, where, like, his boss calls in. Hmm. And this guy gives him a hard time. Oh, and yeah, he's like, he had a boss. Don't, huh? t- don't talk to me. You've messed this up. And now I've got to come in and clean up your messes. And they're like... Please be nice about it. And he's like, I'll do whatever I want. Yeah, Fingers aren't important. He's a dick boy. You don't need teeth. Yep, so they're dressed like Nazis and they're mad at Officer Wills for not finding Cora D yet. Yep. Because we see the police try to capture them. Not by looking, but by shooting directly into a vehicle they haven't checked for people yet. Yeah. So if they were in it or not, whatever. <laughs> um, yep, so they're on the run. Um, and everyone comes to have a sit down with Bob because she's a successful bounty hunter and they were hoping she will help find these resistance folk because she's, like you said, Switzerland. She knows the resistance, but she's not aligning herself with jack shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, and sure as hell, well, that chat's going down. Cora D and Boba Fett show up looking for the resistance. Uh, meaning Charlie, the brother. Well, no, I think originally he's looking for Bob. Charlie mm. just intercepts them and is like... Charlie actually I'm not a, is I'm half not invested. As Switzerland. Yeah, he's way more invested in the greater good and stuff. After the Nazi meeting, we see that Bob hates Boba Fett because he fucked up in Seattle. Um, it is shown later. I'm just gonna fucking. I'm, I'm not sugarcoating or hiding no any build here. up here. Yeah, it's shown later. He didn't show up to a rendezvous during the Civil War or something. That's about it, really. Th- She's I mad he didn't there's... rock up. No, I think there's more to it. Do you think she assumed he was dead and him rocking up now being like, here's my wife, give us a hand. She's like shitty about it. No, I think they were going to run away together. Mm. And they were going to start up a business. Maybe that's her fucking off for the hammerhead. Well, that's... All right, no, no, that's a good... That's a better theory than mine, which was nothing. But that's the thing. They're talking about getting out and running away and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And she was like... She had found a way out of the war, had found a way out of the battle, had someone to take with her. Her brother was getting out at the same time, and he just didn't show up with no reasoning, no... There was nothing there. Mm. Which is, she got bitten by, you know, she thought she was doing the right thing. And then he turns up all these years later, and he's like, I need your help also. This is what I was doing, and I figured it was more important than you. Yeah. And she's like, I don't care if it was more important. Like, you broke my heart. Yeah. So she storms off, but Charlie tells them where the resistance hides out. Um, around some biker groups that dangerously come close to the Batman and Robin ones. Yeah. Um, so while at the, um, at the resistance hideout, they explain some more stuff. The guy holding these lenses for Cora D 
That was Mr. Krebs. Yeah. Who was the bounty Bob captured the day before, and that's probably why he was wanted in the first place. Probably. Um, he was found dead without the contact lenses or his actual eyes, I don't think. Um, so they assume that the bondsman, Schmitz, Well, it's very hard to take them. contacts out. I don't know if he was wearing them or not. Because they're usually in a tube. But they fucked that guy up anyway, he's dead. Yeah. Um, so they think maybe Schmitz, the bondsman, would have them. Um, he's played by Clint Howard, old Smiths. Um, he's one of those bit part actors you'd recognise if you Google him. Because of how we spent New Year's, I recognise him as Johnson from the Austin Powers trilogy. <laughs> right? He's that guy. Um, anyway, the only person with enough contacts on both sides of the law and the cojones to do jack shit about it would be Bob Wyatt. Yeah. Isn't that convenient? In a strange form of the good, the bad, and the ugly, at this point, Bob has been asked for help by the villains, the bad... The Resistance, the good, and Schmitz himself, the ugly. He is really ugly. Yeah, but he's also playing the the dirty rat in between both parties, exactly like... Oh, fuck, what was his name? The ugly guy. Which is rude. You, you know what I mean. Yeah. God damn it. Now I can't remember it. Edit in me remembering it. <laughs> I won't, but okay. <laughs> well, now I have to fucking Google it. It's killing me. It's literally killing me. You Google it. I'm just going to keep talking. <laughs> um, yep, so Schmitz asks her for help. She pretty much tells everyone in some form of politeness or another to fuck off. Hmm. Um, but when Schmitz leaves the bar, he plants the lenses in there to keep them off of his Tuco? persons. Tuco! Fucking... Oh, man. And it was similar to Taco, but that's racist. Clint Eastwood is the man with no name. He's blondie. No. He's he fuck- says, the man with no name. I won't, I won't stand for it. Um... Not he who shall not be named. That's a different movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, when he dumps the lenses off in the kitchen, he doesn't realise that Charlie heard him do it. Which comes up later, obviously. Mm. Using science that I have seen only in the Will Smith film Wild Wild West, drop my pen, um, the CD, the Congressional Doctorate, um, take the body of Mr. Krebs and zap the body in a way that projects the final things he saw. Yeah. Which I didn't believe in Wild West either. It's fine. It's it's, it's 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 a dystopian future. They have the technology for that. Look, it is <laughs> somewhat believable because I'm sure that I've heard somewhere, and I really hope it's not Wild Wild West, that your brain remembers like seven seconds after you die. So no, Wild West chicken... was just like scanning the last thing the retinas picked up. But that's the thing. It's, it's the whole concept of um, you can keep a chicken with its head cut off alive. Yeah. Which they have proven is like 21, 22 days. Yeah. So it's, I like, there is a glimmer of science there. Right. Well, what were some of the final things he saw before he was taken out back and killed? Um, them shooting him. And who handed him over? Barbara. That's right. Um, so, um... Which I don't actually think you see him ha- her hand anyone over. You just see her... No, she her... does, because she's always a bitch about payment. I know, but you you don't see the dude. You just see her in her, like, fancy outfit because the um, cop tries no, to No, because she threatens to shoot him, saying he's not worth anything to you, you dead, pay off. You don't see any of that. Not in, the, not in the flashback. No, not in the flashback. Because, you just see him looking at her. Because the cop because tries to Let's convince be realistic her them... That every man in Still Harbour dreams of a oh, while. Yeah, because Willis is like trying to. He's like, it, it, n- a pin it on her, pin it on her, get her arrested. And he's like, 
Every dude has dreamt that image. Like, which is sort I'm of he's sort of defending, that. yeah, exactly. And that's the thing: you think he's going to be a jerk, and he's not. Yeah, and it's at really no point is he. Confusing. Yeah, um, yeah. So Warren's put out to search the Hammerhead Bar for these lenses. While they're on their way to the bar, we jump back there before them to see Bob and Boba Fett, and we see that they were scorned lovers once. We've already covered all that. Um, yeah, and they also go. She gets informed about the mega HIV and escaping to Canada and all that bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, while that exposition is happening, the CD rock up and scan the only person at the bar during that time of day, Charlie. He doesn't have any retinas, so nothing pops up at all. It's weird that he had his retinas blown off of his eyeballs. That smart grenade's weird. Yeah. Um, and I do like that he essentially pickpockets something off of the device so it can't scan anyone else, including Cora D on her way out. Which is, like, he didn't know that was going to be helpful. Yeah, but he's, like... Uh, I get into a light. I think he might be the hero of this movie. <laughs> Again. Someone picks up his ball when he drops it, but, like, he's sort of the one pushing the the hero part of this movie most of the film. But that's the thing. Good it's, for him. And it's not odd for his character either, because he was a soldier in the Civil War So I'm War saying, him well. and Willis are, like, he's weirdly well-written characters. the lead chick for the Resistance. Yeah. Possibly because she's being damaged similarly to him. Oh, she does it. She has. The, she has um. The fucking I don't know. She has called. a very fancy choker, which the robot voices her, her vo- yeah. voice box. She has those things that tracheotomy. No. I yeah, think that's what people who have that need yeah. those things. I don't know what the the like microphone. Anyway, is. so the scanner doesn't work. So the CD just kind of give up and just start smashing everything in the place. Mostly as a warning, I don't really think they were looking for stuff. Shooting a keg is not going to tell you where a contact lens is. Um, but yeah, they they all eventually leave, and Charlie's like, "Oh, were they looking for these? Because I picked I, I picked them up after Schmidt's left." Mm. You know, and um. Bob is going to try and sell them and fuck off to Europe because apparently Europe is doing fine and ignoring the state that America is currently in. Um, Charlie wants to help the resistance because he's not a bad guy in the slightest and hasn't abandoned his beliefs, whereas Bob just wants to stay out of everything. Mm. Um, this is when we meet um, fan favorite by me, Big Fatso. Passing Played by Andre Rosie Brown. How'd you feel about Big Fatso? With his big turkey leg and his fucking outfit and he's living in a bulldozer. Yeah, he's he's so obese that, <laughs> that he gets the only carried way around in a bulldozer. Is a bulldozer. Fucking awesome. I hope he's in the comics. I'm excited for that guy. Coming up is uh we literally there was a scene where I was like, That's my favourite acting in this movie. No wait, that's my favourite acting in this No wait, that's my favourite acting champion. in this movie. Big fatso baby. Bob is going to sell the lenses to this morbid obese man in a bulldozer for a big pile of cash and a safe passage through to an airport to get out of the States. Yeah. Um, I like Big Fatso and I like that he's like, he'd sort of been following the case this whole time. And he's like, yeah, Schmitz, Schmitz didn't have the contacts. And like someone opens like a bar fridge and his dead body's like stuffed into it. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just it's awesome. He's kind of like the China Soros of this piece, which is shocking to a compare. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Not as pretty. No, fuck no. After she negotiates a plan, she heads back to the Hammerhead and tells Curly that it's his. She's washing her hands of the whole fucking country at this point. She's packing her stuff and getting Charlie and 
They're getting on well, out of she there. keeps getting dragged into everything. Like, it's very hard to be Switzerland when no one will leave you well, alone. Well, the pressure's on and shit's piling up everywhere. She wants to just skedaddle. Yeah. Um, speaking of, though, where is Charlie? Well, he'd gone through the resistance to tell the lady you mentioned, Spike, Spike um, where the lenses were. Yeah. He was going to throw Barb under the bus for fucking off with them, essentially. Well, it's so... Which is fair. He... No one realized that he knew where they were placed. Mm. He goes and collects them, shows them to Barb, assuming she'll do the right thing. She drops the ball on that one. Which he gets mad at, because he's like, hey, those aren't yours, and you know where to take them. Do I spoil what's happening? <laughs> Fuck it. He's the Uncle Ben. Yes. He's the good guy, and he... and He's the sacrificial And the Spider-Man won't help him, and he will die for it. He is the sacrificial lamb. And that's the thing. He he goes. To I can't believe to I be waited like, until the scene that it happens to spoil. <laughs> I I had contacts. My sister took them because I maybe gave them to her. Because I'm a nice guy. We kind of need to go and get. Them. Let's just go get them. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He. And so he dies. He's blind, so he walks into the hideout, not realizing every single person there is dead. Yep. He is ambushed by the congressional directorate, and he's tortured, but doesn't give up shit. Which again. Good boy. I appreciate the shit out of this character. <laughs> he's great. Yeah. He's like... And you almost think he's going, and it's like, who's got the contacts? He's like, a big fat guy in red, and he rides a sleigh. <laughs> and then him and the villain guy, like, laugh together, and then he just kills him. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, apparently electrocution is really, you know... Torturers love that shit. Easy. Which, if you played GTA Five and you tortured that man, that innocent man, because... You know, there's a, there's a whole moral in that game that is not written that way. <laughs> if you overzap him, he dies too, and you fail the mission. But I think the reason why electrocution is, like, a favourite in torture and stuff, mm. particularly in films, is it doesn't leave marks. You don't have to paint makeup. It's just a little smoke machine. <laughs> yeah. All right, so, um, yeah, he dies. It's a, it's a shame Paul one out for my homeboy, the hero of the movie. Because he has, or technically had, principles about freedom while Bob was just turning a blind eye to the world. And the second, like the second she could get out of the war effort, she did. Yeah. Um, when she finds his body, she stops dicking around and decides um, she's going to go with the resistance storyline. She's going to go with the good guy path. If you're a Cyberpunk 2077 or a Fallout fan, she's going with the good guy storyline now. Yeah. Instead of doing side quests. <laughs> um... With I mean, that, one way to look at it. so with that, well, it reminded me of how I played most open-ended story games, where I just dick around until like a thing happens. It's like, oh yeah, I should commit to something before this ends. I'm not very good at those games, but with that, Barb Wire, Cora D, and Boba Fett jump into her armored van and leave, thinking we're going to go to the airport. She takes them to Big Fatso. Boba Fett gets mad when she tosses the little container the lenses are kept into Fatso in exchange for the money, not just for betraying him. But let's think about this. She gave away her fucking bargaining ship before the escort part even began. Yeah. What What are you doing? I know she has, like, a plan, because, duh, of course, she has a plan, because she's the hero. She has to... She's got a, a trick up her sleeve. But at the same time, dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe... And he would have known that she's smarter than that, because they, like, were in the war together. So he'd be like... I know that you're more intelligent than this. Like, clearly you've been out of practice. So, yeah, Fatso gives a signal and the cops rock up to arrest her. Yeah. He's going to get her bounty. He's going to take the cash that he gave her. And he's got the contacts now. Yeah. Which I'm assuming he'll get killed for if he tries to keep anyway. Yeah. 
He's got everything. He's yeah. got all the bounties. He's he's a fat, happy man. Um, and donuts. Oh yeah, he did unless get... he ate them. Bitch, I would be surprised if he took the, them out of the bag. He ate them. Well, he was eating a turkey leg when we last saw him, so he didn't eat the donuts. Yeah, but yet. we left him unattended for. Or I'm gonna minutes. I'm gonna say approximately an hour because she went to the bar and then she went and found her yeah. her brother and stuff. I'm gonna say an hour. Yeah. Again, this city's like one one to two blocks wide, so everyone's three because you have everyone's in jogging the block distance. The hammerhead is on. Yeah, the which is a dog. You have the block where she did the murder earlier. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that the, was the dude block that's full yeah. of prostitutes no, and rubbish. No, you're right. And old school New York. You've got the abandoned. Steel work warehouse, yeah. which is where the resistance are. Right, fair, fair and call. then he's on the outskirts he's of the, the non people place. Well, at any rate. So three and a half blocks. <laughs> yeah. The CD gets Officer Willis to arrest Bob. He goes behind her, and instead of handcuffs, she's given a grenade. I was fine with it because I was he excited does to see an ex- one hand. Yeah, he's putting on a show. Yeah. Um, I was. I was just excited to see a grenade explode, but Kaya did ask me how the CD guards behind her didn't notice that, and I didn't have an answer for her. Yeah, they were staring directly <laughs> at her hands, because if your hand like... Look at she's got he, a grenade. He makes a big a deal dick. about holding the first hand in the antlock, putting the yeah. cuff on it. Then he puts it behind her back. Understandable. She doesn't, like, it's a grenade. You can't wrap your hand around it. Like, imagine it's someone holding a soft drink can behind their back. Two men looking directly at the soft drink can, mm-hmm. and they all go, Ooh, she got grenade, while it's above her head. <laughs> yeah. Um, she throws it into Fatso's lap, and he makes the best pre-death face I've ever seen in film. He goes... <laughs> well, that's... I say to a microphone. <laughs> so this is this is my favourite part of acting in this whole film. Oh, dude, his facial expression is amazing. He explodes, though. So, because he's only handcuffed one of her hands, mm. she immediately pulls the pin with her teeth, something you're not supposed to do, Mythbusters proved it, holds the grenade above her head, and goes, I've got a grenade. Police chief turns Willis. around and goes, Oh, she got a grenade! I think he's very sarcastic because like, he gave it to her. Yeah. But it's still not. It's still a weird scene. like... That is the worst acting I've seen ever in my life. She throws it into the air. It accidentally... Well, it's... She throws it to Fatso. Fatso who can't run away, it. honestly. Which is probably why she did it. Yeah, probably. Um, it lands in his lap. He looks down at it and goes... I, explodes in, like... I, I can't understand describe there's a lot it. of His eyes get there. real big and his mouth get real big. You go, ooh. He explodes. He makes the face of a blow-up doll. (laughs) That's his surprise face. That's the closest I can describe it. It's just in such quick succession that I'm like... Oh, it's a moment of chaos indeed. You you guys didn't plan for this well enough. Like, someone (laughs) forgot to write these lines down and uh, is just yelling them at you. Yeah. So from from the explosion onwards, hell breaks loose. You got Bob, Boba Fett, Cardi B, and Willis. They all escape in the van. This leads to a simple, explo- just a classic explosion-filled car chase. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob bursts out of the van on a motorbike and shoots some people. She does some stuff. She tells the others to go on while she stalls. Um, Boba Fett goes back to help her while Willis and the doctor go to the airport. Uh, Boba Fett fights some Nazi dude on a crane, and we learn the shocking truth that the main Nazi dude is forklift certified. <laughs> Only interesting if you are also... 
forklift certified. Nah, man, that's the meme trend now, baby. Do you have anything? Oh, so he wasn't making an OSHA violation. I don't know. That's all we care about. He wouldn't, he wouldn't have operated that vehicle with such efficiency if he wasn't trained professionally. <laughs> and and we know this because he picks up her motorcycle. Yeah, pins her to a car with it. Through through the forks, go through the wheels. Yep. Which, that's pretty accurate. I mean, she was stopped, but okay. Then realises that she's not pinned enough and can probably still get to him because she throws her motorcycle helmet at him. Because one of her legs is pinned, that's all. Picks up car. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um... So yeah, while that's going on, Boba Fett wins his fight and throws a dude off a crane, and then asks the crane driver, who inexplicably has just been chilling up there this whole time. Explosions everywhere, he's barely awake. He's just he's just like half he's he's kind of working, but the crane was never moving, so I think he was just in there. Mercury voice. <laughs> he's just in there snoozing. Alcoholic. Maybe. Because they blow up a bus, like right in front of him. Yeah. He's just hanging out. Yeah, so um he <laughs> Boba Fett asks him what sticks do what and then knocks him out and, and plays with the crane himself. He only gets through two of the sticks, though. He does. That's all you need. Which leads to one of the weirdest final fight locations I have ever witnessed. I a car lifted by a forklift when lifted by a crane. A car and motorcycle. Yeah. On a forklift. That's been picked up crane. by a crane, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's great. Um... So they, they, they fight a little bit. She wins by grabbing the crane hook itself and pulling a lever to let go of the load. Yeah, drops the hook. Yeah, I don't know if that's a thing. I'm going to have to fact check that later. Okay. Because there shouldn't be anyone up there to pull that. That shouldn't be there. Well, how else would you remove the hook when you're changing out the fronty bit? You do the little click and you take it off. Yeah, there shouldn't be a the there shouldn't be a button that like a bird could land on that drops a fucking ton of load. I don't think a bird could pull that. Oh, who cares? At any, at any rate, the Nazi hits the ground with the forklift in the car and a fucking massive explosion erupts from it. Much bigger than it should be. I think it's to hide the bad special effects. I, I think they were just using up whatever was left in their explosive yeah. budget. Yeah, so that's fun. Um, so Cora D and Willis, they're at the airport. They're not sure what to do because they needed the contact, but also they think Pamela Anderson gave him to a fat guy and then blew him up. Yeah. Um, but her and Boba Fett show up, and she reveals that while they were arming themselves at, before the meeting, she popped the contacts in herself and gave him an empty container. Canister. Yeah. Um, she removes them, and to Kai's disgust, Cora D chucks them straight into her head. Not, Look, not even the fact that they were in another lady, but they were in her hand, which is covered in gunpowder and smoke and grime and sweat and God knows what else. I understand. No blood, surprisingly. This is a critical moment. Yeah. This is the only way out of this. Mm-hmm. But as someone running wears, under a tap at least, come on. Where's contact lenses? No, no. <laughs> there is no five second rule when it comes to a contact lens. Just wipe it on your shirt; should be good. And those contact lenses have been in multiple other people's eyeballs. I don't know <laughs> what that contact fluid was that was in the case itself. If she's trying to cure HIV, it's good because she might have it. Do you think? Because Charlie had them for a while. Do you think he tried popping them in? I don't know. Just for the sake of it. Like, just for gigs. Yeah, but what's he going to do? Look at him in the mirror and go, that's funny looking. What's he going to do? That's why I said just can't for do nothing. Gigs. I don't know. Maybe. He might have had to lick them to work out what they were. 
No, he knew what they were. He was listening to the whole conversation oh, yeah, yeah, in the bar. Yeah. He was just upstairs and no one looks up. Yeah, he's the blind guy. What do you expect? But, you know, he, they, he's daredevil. <laughs> yeah, because he taps a lot. <laughs> yeah. He's a pretty accurate depiction of a blind guy, I'm going to be well, honest. Like, for, there was a lot of scenes where he was like... It's just like the line of sight that people portraying blind actors have to do. Like, that comes off really... It reminded me of the Charlie Cox Daredevil, well, who did Charlie it really Cox well. Charlie Cox does it so well. Mm. As, so, as someone that, you know, I grew up with a blind friend. Yeah. He does it amazingly. It's very accurate. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, she pops the contacts in. They do the trick, and the good doctor leaves for Quebec to cure Mega AIDS or HIV or whatever. The Red, red Ribbon. ribbon. I, just, I like that they called it Mega HIV. Yeah. It's fascinating as shit to me. It's, they didn't it's, have any other words. It's like the super crack from Frankenhooker. Yeah. Anytime they just add a big word like mega or super duper to just like drugs or disease, it's it's so weird and fascinating to me. But that's the thing. You can't add like the scientific name. Yeah, but you can't for a stra- you so can't with that- a straight face say terrific weed in one word either. But if it's good weed, how are you going Bombastic to get that trauma. across? Yeah, it's, it's funny to me. They need to, you need to know that this is worse than normal AIDS, which this movie came out during normal AIDS. They didn't say AIDS though, but they said HIV and we all know. Well, we do now. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so then when you think things are all sorted out and the movie's sort of going out, not too bad, um, it chooses to go out with a strobe Pamela Anderson outside in the rain, and it's hard to explain, it was fucking odd, wasn't yeah. it? She's like, she's in the rain, it cuts to slightly zoomed in, cuts to slightly zoomed out, repeats a couple times credits. Yeah. So what the fuck was that? <laughs> I don't know, man. This movie works hard to knock back any good graces it sort of picks up along the way. What can you do? I also wonder, did they expect to get a sequel out of this? It feels a little bit like the first Spider-Man, like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man, in which it's like someone learning to kind of do the good work that they should be doing. Well, because... At the death of an Uncle Ben. So at the airport, you get barbed wire and the cop are left behind. Yeah. And he is like, oh, I think I'm falling in love. And she's like, I think I'm going to Paris. Then it does the weird bullet strobe life, whatever is going on. (laughs) It fucking reminded me of, they were the perfect family until they were murdered. You know, like shitty crime drama. Because there's gunshots, but no one's shooting a gun. No, it is straight up a sound effect edit. (laughs) It's not anything. Like, did... Were they going for the Casablanca ending and just, like... Come on, man. Don't blow my next note load. Yeah, they chose a weird way to go out. That cannot be understated enough. Um, yeah, you know how it should have ended? Barbara telling Willis that this was the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Because the shell of this movie is a remake of 1942's Casablanca. Why? (laughs) Because of all the gym joints in all the world. Of all the hammerheads in the world, you came into my. It was you the came only into one my serving hammerhead. cheap cognac. The only one that specifically is not aligning itself with either group of the United States, which they mentioned earlier is important. Mm. All right, so they 
Yeah, you may spit out your drink here in this, but there you go. Pamela Anderson is Humphrey Bogart. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, check it out. You know, an ex-partner rolls into the protagonist's bar, and then with their new partner, they reconnect, but they need the hero's help for a good cause that may end the war. Um, yeah, all the broad story and character elements of this were based off of the the 1942 classic film. Weird place to find a remake to Casablanca, which they've never remade, have they? Watch Casablanca instead. Just. I mean, I haven't, but I'd love to watch them back to back just to, like, purposely compare the two. Okay, well, I know what I'm doing tonight, ladies and gents. Going to bed while I do that. Um. So, so what do you think? We're done with the film. Would you recommend it? Do you have any thoughts? Um. Um. It, it's so close to being okay. Yeah, it's, 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 it teeters weirdly well in a underrated comic book movie and a so bad it's good comic book movie. But it's not just a plain shit boring. It's not fantastic with a four in it. No. You know? It's, it's not like a... Yeah. It's fascinating. It's a bad diehard. It's so bad it's good in some places. It's pretty decent in some places. It's just mushed together really weirdly. And there's lots of tits. With, yeah. Just apart, one person's tits. Apart from the TNA, I feel like Wonder Woman 84 might go down in history as a similar thing to me. By which I mean some good segments I enjoy watching, just loosely thrown together. Mm. Parts were planned out well and executed well, but they were done individually and someone had to work out how to smush them into an actual film. Mm. Maybe. Hmm. I don't know. It's a hard one. It's it's. It's an experience. It's there. Yeah. If it's on a streaming service, fuck it. Put it on and see what you reckon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Brace yourself though, because it it shows tits like twelve seconds in. That might be a selling point for some people. Mm. You know, if that's what you're after. Um, I mean, they, you know, they're nineties boob. <laughs> yeah, they're they're not the most realistic fake titties, but you know. If you're looking at Pamela Anderson for realistic fake titty, you're in the wrong fake titty business. Mm. If you like her scenes in Borat, you might like this. I don't know. I've never seen Borat. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, like, like I said, I enjoy enough chunks of it. I remember hating it more, honestly. I, I think it's... Once a, I started looking at it analytically, very, I'm like, oh, Willis is really cool. Oh, Charlie's really cool. Oh, there's some cool set pieces time. here. It's a oh, fun it's time horrible. while you're there. Yeah. Two, three months out, you think it's really bad. Mm. Six months out from that... You forget entirely and have to kind of watch it again. "Eh, Maybe I could go back to that. Yeah. It's it's a fun time, but only for, like, the two days that you've been Mm. there. It's like a four out of ten, but, like, a good four out of ten. Does that make sense? It could be an undercover spy in a Cold War world. Okay. Yeah. Did you have a favourite moment in it before we go I've to told home you home? my favourite moment. From the grenade oh, just f- I've got a grenade <laughs> to she's got a grenade to ooh. I wish she'd used the grapple hook a second time. That was fun. It did give me Batman vibes with a big dumb coat flapping around like you know. It's cool. I, I enjoy it. I, I like the aesthetic of these old crummy half goth 
half new metal. It's new metal. That's what it is. Aesthetically, it's new metal comic book movies. All right. So, ready for homework? No. Let's do it. Yeah, but this is your fucking fault, too. Um, because this film takes place in the dystopian future of five years ago. That's right, 2017 was half a decade ago. Get sad, everybody. Um, it, it want, I wanted to ask, like... We're only, like, three weeks into January. Like, chill, dude. Chill. We don't know what part of the year that the film took place. It might be January 1st. Chill, dude. <laughs> chill. Um, yeah, I wanted to talk about, like, um... The, the homework question ended up being... Favourite gadget. I was going to say favourite, like past future you know when they're like the distant year of like fucking a decade ago down yeah like the back to the future 2 stuff um but then it became like items in these in these futures we're supposed to have had by we now but promised don't promised things yeah. promises were made i thought a lot of the stuff i thought star trek was in the past but i don't think it was actually i fucked that up um did you have any items I struggled because I'm not very good at sci-fi in general. Hang on, I'm I'm checking Samirich here, so you can go first. Well, I didn't want to go with the hoverboard from Back to the Future. It seemed too easy. Oh, but damn, going I'm for a any years out. <laughs> what one were you looking at? Oh, I I just thought of a really good one. Yeah. Jetsons. Oh yeah. It's not until 2062. That's still a while away, man. So I could still get my space cars. What? I just want a Rosie. There's flying cars in Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, and that's in the past. I want a Rosie the Robot. There's androids or their dressy thing. Right. Where she just, like, boards in and boards out. I'm fascinated by how many things we've rolled past in the timeline. Like, mm-hmm. the original Astro Boy manga is in the past now. The original Cowboy Bebop is in the past now. Um, Jason X, the one specifically that put him in space... Where there was nothing but space. They still didn't choose to put that in a hugely distant future. It's like in 2010 or something. Mm. Um, but, I yeah, a lot of the... A lot of my dystopias are really, like, accurate to now. Like, the future in this movie. Or Cowboy Bebop and Ghost in the Shell. Like, it's only, like, a couple of aspects about, like, sentience. And everything else is pretty the same. Yeah. <laughs> so, while looking through lists of things that took place in the future that have rolled through the past, turns out Zombie Strippers is in that list. Of course. So I guess Undead Strippers is my answer. Because every other answer is the boring, just androids in general. Sentient bots that hang out with me. I will pay for a friend at this point. Notice my panel of guests today. <laughs> I was paid to be here. You're forced to be here. This is your house. Um, it's not what you said earlier. Yeah, hoverboards and androids are the go-to answer, but like an undead... Uh, uh, just, yeah, just, bring, just undead eye candy. Fuck it, why not? Okay. <laughs> We've come this far as a people. Right, I have a few answers. Mm-hmm. Um... I'm realizing most of them are Back to the Future. Oh, actually, I have, I actually have like a half good concept. Okay. I brought up to Android's Dream of Electric Sheep. Yes. I read it. I mean, I audio booked it. I'm not a fucking, I'm not a scholar. I'm not going to lie about it. Um, I didn't like it mm-hmm. in general. Most of it's about um, owning. It's about owning pets, but bragging about it. It's fucking dumb. But they have this box, and it's like 
an empathy machine and you like set the dials to how you want to feel today and and, and somehow it I, somehow it tells it, it affects you like i could go into it i'm sick of being depressed can you like different emotion and it would activate and i'd be like all right sick Honestly, that would just be a handy thing. I could make myself motivated enough to write more episodes. Okay. Dead strippers is cool, but, like, that would be more useful. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, if we're we're going down that line of thinking, the thing that would be cool Mm -hmm. uh, is in Back to the Future Mm -hmm. and Spy Kids. Are you talking about the dehydrated machine? The food machine? I fucking love that in Spy Kids. The McDonald's came out. That comes out perfecto. Yeah, that thing's dope. We have dehydrators now, but they're just mostly for drying out like bananas, I think. Exactly. Yeah. We want be- we want upgrades, people upgrades. You've got the technology now. Do something with it because hmm. you can't undehydrate something. Well, you can, but not well. Do you have a favorite um future portrayed in stuff? You can't just. I don't know. I feel like. There's a lot of good ones, but like I said, most of mine are pretty standard. I like Futurama, honestly, because like every horrible thing in there is kind of played off as a joke, so it's kind of chill. It's not very dystopia compared to most sci-fi at this point. It's the safest one to go to, frankly. This is true. Thinking of like Hunger Games and stuff, I don't want to live there. Hmm. I'm not ready for that. Uh, My useful answer. Again, Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. The clothes fixer opera. The so remember he, put, he puts on his jacket yeah. and the sleeves are too long and he can shrink his sleeves up mm. to the right sleeve length. I feel like that would be very useful. Yeah. Like, it's, if I'm having dehydrated, rehydrated food that comes out perfect, not as excited about the fact that my clothes can, you know fit my christmas lunch and the fact that they dry themselves out too is really nice because we're currently in tropical north summer it would be nice to not have sweaty clothes when i go outside being able to step outside and still be dry is something that i hate floridians and north queenslanders don't understand it's it's fucking degrading that that's what we long for dry clothing All right, you happy? We did it. Um, yeah, this has been the School of Wayward Nerds presents Barb Wire, an almost recommendation. Yeah. Yep. Uh, thank you, producer Kai, for joining me. I've been your host, uh, Tyre B. Debola. Remember to rate, review, subscribe, email us at. Um, I always School almost do my actual email. Schoolofwaywardnerds at gmail That's the one. If you have a suggestion. Or something you want us to cover, or maybe something we've covered before that we did a terrible job of, if you want us to refresh a a few things. There's a few people that have asked for better audio qualities of old episodes. Yeah. Weirdly, we keep most of our notes, so we probably could do that. Mm. We're not going to. One day I have to reread my Robocop ones, and hopefully it actually saves. But, you know. (laughs) Um, Yeah, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you in a week. Class dismissed.